This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Fionn McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and ghosts who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 185 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we have a tale about a young woman walking home with a fondness for drink who encounters a man who will give it to her, but at a heavy price. This is the tale of the drunken master. But first, a very big welcome to any new and indeed any returning listeners. If this is your very first episode of Fireside, listen to this episode, see what you think, and if you like it, why don't you consider going right back all the way to episode one, nearly four years ago, to see what we've been building up to the journey of Fireside over the preceding four years. And if you are a returning listener, thank you so, so much for your continued support. All the usual things, uh, follow me on Instagram at FiresideBard if you have not done so already. Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you want to get in touch for any business or personal inquiries or if you just want to say hello those are the two places that are best to contact me and if you really want to support the podcast you can do so in a number of ways you could of course just tell a friend about the podcast you can share it on your story spread the good name of fireside you can my personal favorite option would be you can buy my book garden sea my poetry book a neo myth of home which is available from paperback on headstuff.org or in kindle version from amazon and all the links are in the description below uh, your support means the most most of all through there and thank you so much to everyone who continues to buy it it's a great great pleasure to get to send the book all around the country and indeed around the world and we can ship it anywhere in the world and final way you can support the podcast is by joining headstuff plus on headstuffpodcast.com where for as little as five euro a month although you can pay more if you so choose you can gain access to not just bonus material for fireside but for all of the podcasts on the headstuff podcast network and the network continues to grow but no hard sell on any of those but those are now that those are out of the way we can get down to the story itself this is a this was a fun story to do because it came from one of the very original fireside sources which is a treasury of irish fairy and folk tales it's still quite possibly the most beautiful book i own i will put a link in the description below of a place you can buy it if you so choose it isn't cheap um, and it isn't light so it is certainly not portable but it is well worth the investment if you like me are a geek for folk tales and fairy tales which if you're listening to this podcast i can only assume that you are 
I bought it in Hodgson Figgis right when I was still developing the idea for Fireside. So that's how long I've had it. Um, and the reason I haven't taken more stories from it is because I travel for work so much and it is not at all portable. Um, ironically, I am recording this episode from London, so it did actually get on a plane with me this week, but I didn't have to bring many clothes or anything, and it is the single only book I brought, and it is like a phone book, but it is glorious, and it is beautiful, and this tale came straight, straight from there, came from a section of the, the book, probably my favorite section, on the solitary fairies which are as opposed to the trooping fairies. So the solitary fairies are naturally, as their name would suggest, ones that travel alone, that don't gather in packs and herds. And uh, this one is a cautionary tale of a young woman with a fondness for the sup, as I said. But you will soon see why and soon see what happens to her. This is the tale of the drunken master on Fireside. The Drunken Master Bridget McDaniel was once as fine and promising a young woman as her father could ever have hoped for. But when she came of age, Bridget developed a taste for the devil's creature of whiskey. Her father didn't deem it proper for a girl such as her to take to the sauce, so he never allowed her to drink at home. Bridget did all her drinking instead in the village. She never had much money, so were it all possible, the young reprobate would avoid paying for drinks at all costs. This meant that Bridget McDaniel had to become quarrelsome and tough. By flirting or by fighting, she always got herself a drink. And one cold, frosty night, Bridget was walking home from the pub, the long uphill to home, and thought she would never get the warm back into her bones. Chattering her teeth, she said to herself, Jesus, a good sup of liquor would sort me right out. No need to ask twice, Bridget McDaniel. The girl turned around and saw a man, not a quarter of her size, leaning against a brick wall with a tri-cornered hat, gold stitching, and crucially, with a mug held in his hand the same size as himself, filled with the gorgeous golden brown of the finest whiskey. It was so smooth, trickling down Bridget's throat, there was not even the initial burn or aftertaste of lesser liquors. Thank you, good sir, said Bridget. This will surely carry me the rest of the way home. Think nothing of it, said the little man, but also don't even think of not paying me, as you don't pay anyone else for a drink. Why should I pay you? said Bridget, her aggression building. Sure couldn't I fit you in my pocket like a fistful of blackberries? The little man jumped up and looked as if he had quadrupled his size. Just for that, I will make you my servant for seven years and a day, and if you refuse... No drop of liquor will ever again pass your lips, and your life will not be worth living. Bridget immediately regretted the way she had spoken to this now terrifying little man. Her new master said, Go home now, but meet me by the bog at this time tomorrow night. If you don't show, I'll find you and double your sentence. But if you prove a loyal servant... 
you'll find me a lenient master. Bridget McDaniel went home and lay in bed awake all night full of the anxious possibilities of her new charge. But dutifully, she arrived at the bog early the next evening and waited for her master. The little man arrived and said, Hitch us up two horses there, Bridget, and we'll hit the town. Bridget looked around at the vast, foreboding bog and said, Absolutely, no problem. One question. Sorry, master, but could you point me in the direction of the stables? I don't see any myself. Never you mind that, snapped the little man. Go down to that bog and pluck two rush reeds. I'll handle the rest. Confused but afraid to ask another question, Bridget went and plucked two of the largest reeds she could from the damp earth and brought them back to her master. The little man stepped over the reed like it was a magic broomstick, and Bridget did the same. The little man cried out, Brum, 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 a chant that translates in English as, Become great. And after the third cry, the two rush reeds became colossal chestnut stallions. Unfortunately, Bridget found that when her horse materialized, she was, in fact, facing the wrong way. And as the steeds galloped off, the young woman barely held on to the horse's tail. Terrified and windswept, master and servant arrived at an old country house. The little man said to Bridget, Stick with me closely, and since you cannot tell one end of a horse from the other, mind you wise up and keep your wits about you, Bridget McDaniel. As casually as he had turned reeds to horses, the little man spirited both he and Bridget through the keyhole of the country house and they soon found themselves in the wine cellar. The master began to drink every bottle of wine as if to drink the entire cellar dry. The servant suddenly felt like she was going to like her indentured servitude and began to share in the wine. Pissed as two carrots, Bridget left the cellar, and she said, Well, it's fair to say you are the best of masters. If you keep me in drink, I'll never let you down. I won't be making any such bargain with you, Bridget McDaniel, said the man, also quite drunk. You are already indebted to me, and will be until I say otherwise. Now come on, we've more cellars to raid. Night after night, bottle after bottle, hangover after hangover, master and servant travelled around Ireland raiding the greatest wine cellars of all the gentry. And one night that seemed like any other, Bridget arrived by the bog and found her master unusually dressed up. He seemed to have oil in his hair. It was combed, and his clothes were free from the stains of stout and blood from all their drinking and brawling. Tonight is a special night, said the master. Tonight I am one thousand years old. God bless you, are you really? asked Bridget. I am, and don't be blessing me again with the prayers of a Christian God. But tonight is special, because I have decided at last to calm down on the booze, settle down, and marry a wife. I suppose you should now if you have any mind to at all. Bridget herself had never really seen what the fuss was with marriage. Seemed to involve less time fighting in the pub. The little man said, Today Biddy Rooney marries Darby Riley, and tonight they feast near here. 
we will sneak in, crash the wedding, and carry away the bride. Bridget had no love for marriage, but still she thought this a rather severe task. And what will Darby Riley think of that? she asked. Silence, Bridget. I didn't ask your opinion. Now bring me two rush reeds. After travelling on their enchanted steeds across the fields and bogs, the two arrived at the wedding feast of Biddy Rooney and Darby Riley. Bridget and the little man hid in the rafters of the hall and looked down on the assembled family and friends. The centrepiece of the feast was a pig's head, bigger than most full-sized pigs. As the bride sat enjoying her recent bliss, she let out a sneeze. No one said, God bless you, because they thought that was the job of Father Cooney. But the priest was too fixated on the pig's head and said nothing. Sometime later, the bride sneezed again, and once again no one said, God bless you. Up in the rafters, Bridget felt awkward, and the little man smiled and said, One more unguarded sneeze, and my bride will be mine. Bridget watched as there were a few close calls with the sneezing bride. Somebody get her a tissue, she thought in her head. And then the inevitable came, and the bride drew her head back and raised her hands to her mouth and let out a sneeze loud and powerful as the blow of a sword. When Bridget McDaniel thought back on the moment, she could never tell if she had done the subsequent thing by habit or by design. Regardless, when the bride sneezed, Bridget shouted, God bless you! The entire assembled wedding crowd looked up, and the little man was full of rage as his face flushed red, and the master cried out, With those words you have sank me, Bridget McDaniel. I dismiss you from my service, and take this for your wages. The little man kicked Bridget off the rafters and sent her plummeting down to the banquet table below, before he himself disappeared and the master-servant relationship was no more. Bridget apologised to the bride and groom and their families. She explained all that had happened, and was welcome to stay and enjoy the wedding. And enjoy the wedding, Bridget McDaniel did. She danced all night and drank her share and never put her hand in her pocket. Just as she thought things should be. The End Hello, my name is Stephanie Preisner and I'm here to tell you about my show, Basically. It's all in the name, really. The show makes things basic for people. We've done episodes about world religions. We've done episodes about COVID. We've done episodes, a lot of episodes about mental health and different aspects of mental health to make things accessible to people. One of the great things about the podcast is that you can contact me and let me know what topics you would like so have a listen see if anything tickles your fancy and if there's something there that you think is missing please get in touch with the show we'll cover the topic and then you can listen to it we're part of the headstuff podcast network so you can find us on headstuffpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts see you soon and there we have the tale of the drunken master on fireside and i hope you all enjoyed it so to get right into things, this is a story I have changed one or two elements of. Um, 
minor in some ways, but crucial in others. First and foremost is the name. The name is something I often do a little bit of work with because some of these titles, while some of them have absolutely wonderful names, uh, some of them are just more to state what they were, not to be eye-catching as you're scrolling through Spotify. Um, But this tale was originally called uh, Master and Ban, um, which while not actually a bad name, uh, became a bit more uh, unusable because of the following thing that I changed, and that is that uh, Bridget McDaniel is a boy in the original story. Because this was the thing I'd wanted to do more of that um, I haven't really done as much, um, and I want to make more of an effort to that, is to, first of all, like, well, naturally I'm always on the lookout for more of these folktales and myths like based around women because there are naturally a lot less of them um and unnecessarily so especially in the mythology when the two of the danan are very much a matriarchy but like for one reason or another whether from the conversion to christianity or just time or whatever um and the kind of rise of the patriarchy through christianity the women of the and the goddesses of the Tua de Dan and of the Pantheon have been reduced and in some cases eradicated. Uh, nowhere is that more true than with the mother goddess herself, uh, Danu, of the Tua de Danan, who never even comes to Ireland and we know absolutely nothing about her, which seems this great shame considering she gives us this gives her children this wonderful name. So were it all possible, if something cannot be lost and something can actually be gained or made interesting or even if it changes nothing but perhaps just then changes how you think about the stories i want to play around with the gender the gender swapping of some of these tales and what i liked about gender swapping this one um i like bridget mcdaniel a lot more than brendan i think it was brendan mcdaniel in the original um oh my incredible incredibly clever name swapping there um what I like about Bridget is because it's about drinking and especially drinking in a kind of post-famine late 19th century Ireland uh, at times certainly where where girls and women were encouraged to stay in the house and keep the house at all costs and I loved the idea of this this young woman developing a taste for the creature and uh, having to escape at night every day to go into town to go into the pub to have a drink to have a a chat to have a fight and then to stumble home and do it all again it actually ended up making much more sense because rather than it just being another tale of another young man who's a bit too fond of the sauce this made it a, a story more of like breaking out and like trying to just even if it was a thing that was bad for you trying to do the thing you wanted to do with your life that was being uh that was not being allowed to you and it also gives a further justification rather than uh it being a boy and just being stingy and not paying for anything the presumption would be if this was a young woman who is barely allowed out of the house that she actually wouldn't have any money of her own at this point so that gives an extra justification as to why she has to find ways to drink without paying for them. And she has to grow up tough and she has to grow up mean and uh, a bit like a boy named Sue and then gets her drink by, by hook or by crook, uh, by f- flirting or fighting. Um, and then, of course, there comes the consequence, 
when Bridget McDaniel runs into a fairy. Now, the fairy seems to be quite leprechaun-ish, um, certainly by description with the tri-cornered hat. The tri-cornered hat is quite common in Irish folklore and in Irish fairies. It's a good bit of usual kit for them. But it's not really specified what he is. He is very he's very short, which, as we just said, is the common misconception for a lot of fairies, as some of them can be quite tall. But this one is of the very small variety. We get this wonderful comparison when uh, when Bridget says, "I could show, couldn't I fit you in my pocket like a bunch of blackberries?" Um, which I this is a simile I quite like because it fits very well in the world of the story as well. Um, but this fairy has come. This isn't a case of uh, someone seeking out a fairy. This is a case of a fairy seeking out a human to teach them a lesson. And the fairy comes along with this big, big mug of glorious golden whiskey. Um, and Bridget doesn't think the better of it than to take a free drink from... Actually, no, I tell a lie. It is Bridget who asks for it. She asks the heir, <laughs> essentially. She she puts this wish out. It is like I'd sell my soul to the devil for dot, dot, dot. So it is Bridget that, in a manner of speaking, summons this leprechaun or this fairy and this fairy has come then to teach her a lesson because she has asked for it and because she has had this habit of not paying for any of her drinks so the fairy has taken this very moral stance which is quite ironic given the subsequent events that happen so Bridget is lured into a false sense of security by drinking this liquor and is terrified when she is forced to be the slave or the servant for this master fairy but then she soon discovers that they are actually going to go on more kind of fantastic Mr. Fox-esque raids of the rich sellers of the local Irish gentry and raid their cupboards and drink as much as they, they wish. And this, again, this is, suits Bridget very, very nicely because not only does she still not have to pay, she gets to drink a lot more and there's no one asking her for money as they're just robbing them blind. And sure, aren't they rich Irish gentry anyway? Sure, they have plenty. They have too much that they need. All of these bottles of wine are sitting in these cellars for too long anyway, so they're only going to waste. And this is their rationale and their logic as they, as master and servant troop all around... Uh, the country, raiding cellars and getting drunk. But then, of course, in this this climax, this final scene, we have the fairy, uh, who I was like when they reveal themselves, because it's always, they're always a thousand years old. Um, that reminds me of when we had the tale of the priest who was encountered by the fairy who asked if uh, he could ask a dying another dying priest if the fairies would go to heaven and if they were capable of bleeding and all and a fairy on his death day and I think the fairy was a thousand years old then so even though they have an immortality to them a thousand is definitely very old for a fairy as well um, so we have this a thousand year old fairy who thinks that it's time to quit the rat race and to calm down on the hooch and not be such a hooch monster and take himself a bride and he does so in the form of a recently married woman. And this is, again, where the the gender roles swap uh, came a little bit into play, which was nice, um, because in the original story, it's uh, in a lot of these folk tales, 
this would be about someone, usually a man, saving a woman from the clutches of a fairy and then marrying that woman. And so because it didn't end like that, um, it meant that it was quite a simple switch. Of course, you could do it even if it did end that, but it would mean changing more things as well. Um, but here we have, rather than it being him as a boy looking out for this girl is her as a woman looking out for another woman and looking out for the sanctity of a recent marriage because you can't just be kidnapping anyone regardless of if they've just been married or not so they have we have this setup which is when the fairy says that he is a thousand years old Bridget says God bless you are you really and the fairy casually says, yes, yes, I am. And don't be saying God bless you because you can't be using Christian blessings on fairies. They are in some ways uh, like vampires with their like allergy to crosses and Christian things, which is another thing that's wonderful about them. And as many people know, one of my constant fascinations with this material, um, particularly mythology in Ireland, is where it comes into contact and clashes with the Christian doctrine that took over Ireland from the 5th century while this was being believed in and the kind of thinking. Because all of these folktales, although the myths come from between 1,000 and, and 1,500 years ago, you know, they're very, very old, some of them. But these tales are all less than 300 years old. Now, they, they draw heavily from the mythology that came before them, but these are set in a much, much later Ireland, an Ireland that is very, very firmly um, firmly Christian, um, has, is predominantly Catholic in the South, but is, has gone undergone penal law systems that have made it illegal to be Catholic, so there has been already a huge Catholic-Protestant divide. Um, and but has not quite got to the level of Catholicism that would come in the mid, the early to mid twentieth century with the Irish Constitution. That was the one that really forged church and state in a way that we're still trying to unravel the country from. But this is yeah, this is a different Ireland. But this is nevertheless an Ireland that we have this wedding feast, and um, and regardless of the Ireland that it is, we still have these fairies who still very much do not like their. Catholic God or their Christian God or anything to do with Christianity. So they find themselves, the master and servant find themselves on the rafters of this roof, looking down on this wedding feast. And we have a wonderful little back and forth with the bride, with the sneezing bride. And she says, I, God bless you. And no one says anything uh, because there's a priest there. And it's the priest's job to say, God bless you. But I love that he is just so obsessed with eating this pig's head that he doesn't even hear. He doesn't even register this sneeze. And then there's another sneeze and the more tension and the awkwardness grows. But what's interesting is before the third sneeze, the the little man, the fairy says, one more sneeze, one more unguarded sneeze and she'll be mine. As if this this seems to be a different kind of rule. If you sneeze, it's a kind of like a Beetlejuice thing where if you sneeze three times and no one says God bless you. A fairy can take you away and marry you. Let's go with that because I really like that as a as an internal logic. But this third sneeze comes and no one says anything below. But Bridget McDaniel up above, and we have this like flash forward where it says like Bridget later on when she would look back on this incident would wonder, because we do say 
bless you or Gesundheit or whatever you say um, or bless me as I've heard some people say recently my girlfriend says bless me which is which I find very unusual apparently that's more of a, um, a thing over here um, let me know now do you say bless me do you say bless you but we say these things so by habits and um, so when Bridget looks back she wonders if she knew exactly what she was doing because the her master had said not to say any Christian prayers in front of her. But the third sneeze happens and Bridget says, God bless you. And this defeats the fairy and means he is not Larry. This is like shining the crucifix up to the vampire. It chases him away. But before an hour, he gives her her payment, which is one big kick up the hoop. And Bridget falls down into this wedding feast and everyone's wondering why this drunken reprobate has interrupted them. But of course she says... Um, I just saved your life from a fairy and everyone believes her as rightly they should in an Ireland such as this and invite her to stay at the wedding and she gets to drink and dance the night away and she doesn't even pay for a drop happy days happy endings and uh, so this is a this is a tale of someone who has some would say a lesson to learn or a fairy that tries to teach them a lesson but the fairies doesn't don't win in this case this is a case where the roguish spirit that is so important in ireland the life of uh, the brogue and the blarney that is what uh, that is what wins out the cheek and the charm and the right for a sup and so this is one of the happier endings for one who deals with a fairy and i hope you all enjoyed it but i will wrap things up now uh, so that is the tale of the Drunken Master. Next week we have one of my other Fenian tales as we try and scour for another few Fenian tales to take us up to episode 190. That's how I think the next couple of weeks will go. Um, I'm looking forward to exploring more stories from Irish fairy and folk tales because there actually are a good, good few in it that I haven't because it's a weighty and massive, massive tome. Um, and while I am around back home... Uh, and not on the road um, I can use all of my sources more so we should get a lot more of the really classic kind of fireside tales now in the next couple of months and then we'll finish off with these fion tales and then we'll see where we're going to go in the direction for our last 10 episodes before we hit episode 200 um, and enter year 5 of fireside unbelievably um, but of course let me know if you have any thoughts or queries or anywhere you'd like the podcast to go things you'd like me to cover things you wouldn't like me to cover there is no wrong answer and I love hearing you and for the usual ways you can hear from me all the usual ways follow me on Instagram at firesidebard email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com buy my book Garden Sea a neo-myth of home uh, in paperback from Headstuff or in Kindle version from Amazon uh, you can support the podcast at headstuffpodcast.com uh, and join Headstuff Plus for as little as five euro a month, although you can pay more. Um, I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Thank <laughs> you.